Good morning, everybody. Before we get to the meat of today's message, I just want to share two things that are on my heart. Um, first, if you saw my email on Friday, we were very sorry to learn and to, to share of the passing of our former youth minister, JT. JT served here for two years around the time of, of COVID. He did great work with our, our young people, and we were very sorry to hear that he went home to God so soon. Um, please keep JT and his family in your prayers. The second thing that's on my heart is a scripture. It's from Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's a psalm that would have been sung by pilgrims as they were journeying to the holy city. Now, for us as Christians, when we hear in the psalm speaking of Jerusalem, we think usually of the church or of heaven. But I think right now during this moment, we can take this psalm quite literally. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. My heart is heavy as I consider the situation in Israel and Palestine. And like you, I've seen the images of people being taken hostage, terrorized, and then the carnage that was left behind. Likewise, I've seen the pictures of the rubble and the destruction of the retaliatory airstrikes. Do nations have the right and the duty to defend themselves against aggressors? Of course, of course. But my heart is heavy because terrorism and war cannot untangle that knotted ball of yarn that is the complicated history of the Holy Land. And my heart is heavy because I don't want to see violence spread. Any peace that is based simply on the threat of more violence is a peace that's not going to last. As Pope Francis has said, war is a defeat. Every war is a defeat. I don't know what's going to happen in Israel, but I pray that Jesus the Prince of Peace may visit his people to bring peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Starting today, we are beginning a new message series called Make Space. Through the lens of the gospel, we're going to talk about how we can make space in our lives for the most important things. Think of it this way. Do you make your best decisions when you are anxious, angry, hungry, lonely, or tired? No, of course not. When you feel those things intensely, you don't have the space to think and to see things as they really are. Similarly, when the urgent displaces the important, we have less space for the things that really matter. We need space to think, to love, and to pray so that we can become the best version of ourselves. I was with a friend recently who was going through a tough, tough situation, and because of it, he was very angry very angry. And whether he's justified or not, that's not the point. 
The fact is this, he was livid. His blood boiled, and because of that, he couldn't see the situation any other way. As hard as we tried to change the subject, it didn't work because he would just sit there and stew. As James chapter one, verse 20 says, man's anger does not accomplish God's justice. But it's not just anger. Other emotions can keep us from seeing things as they are, receiving God's inspirations, and then making the best decisions. An acronym that I've heard that can help us make space for better decisions is HALT. HALT, H-A-L-T. When you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, HALT, HALT. When you feel those things, halt, and don't say, do, or decide something that you will likely later regret. Because when you halt, you make space. Um, I remember a while ago, someone did something and they really got under my skin. I was livid. And so I typed a very stern, a very direct email, and I was about to send it, It was very biting. And before I clicked the send button, I said to someone in the office, hey, why don't you take a look at this and tell me what you think? I was pretty proud of myself. And the person said, there's no way you can send that email. (laughs) (laughs) They were right. If I had sent that email, I would have dropped a bomb and I might have created some destruction that I could not have put back together. Halt. Halting makes space for us. And when we halt, when we make space, it's there that we give God room to work. It's the same thing when we face temptations. When temptations to anything come our way, halt, or delay, delay, delay. Temptations might come on strong, but then they fade. They're only temporary. The grip of a temptation might feel strong at first, but then it begins to lessen and fade. Some people think that we are hardwired so that we have to let off steam. No, that's not how it works. We are not like a pot that you put on the stove and then eventually it's going to boil over, which is when we give into it to make it go away. No, that's not how we're made. We are made more like the, 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 the tide on the shore of the sea. The tide comes in and the tide goes out. So that if we are patient, these passions, these temptations, whatever they are, they will go away all on their own. Patience under trial makes space for us to make the best decisions and to become the best version of ourselves. But there are things that we should not be slow to respond to like responding to God's invitations, which is the subject of today's gospel. Right now we are reading from Matthew's gospel in chapter 22, so we are nearing the end. Jesus is conversing in the temple with the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and they are trying to discredit and entrap him. 
But Jesus is pointing out their insincerity and their lack of understanding, and so he addresses this parable to them. And to put this in context, it's the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. It is they who should have been most aware of and most ready to receive the Messiah if they were studying the word and listening to the prophets. But they weren't. So in the parable, there is a king who is giving a wedding banquet for his son, and so just the invitations at that time were kind of similar today. There were two invitations. You know, today, if there's a wedding, you get the save the date, and then the actual invitation follows. Well, at this time, the custom was still kind of two invitations, but the first invitation would request the guest's um, attendance in advance, and if they said yes, then the, the second invitation would come to summon them to the party when everything was ready. So the people in the parable had already said they were gonna come. But then as we read, there were two responses that were given to the, to the invitation that had already been accepted. We read, some people ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated and killed them. Indifference and violence. Two things that come when we don't make space for the things that really matter. In the first instance, the people were caught up in the wrong things, and so they didn't have space. They couldn't be bothered for that which was most important. And then in the second instance, it's like they knew they were in the wrong, but then they decided to rebel. To every person on planet Earth, God gives all of the inspirations, all of the graces, and all of the invitations that we need to be saved, which to use the, the image of the parable means to go to the wedding feast. Now, God enters our lives, and he gives us these inspirations in different ways. But we gotta make space to receive them. God gives us his invitations, but we gotta make space to receive them. Sometimes all we need to do to make space for God's invitations is to halt so that we can have the mind space that we need to make better decisions. And other times we simply need to act on the invitations that God gives us. In your life, what are the main things that are keeping you from having the space you need to respond to God's invitations?